and welcome to Unity Thursday, the podcast for women in business, created by women in business. We are your hosts, Emily Thompson and Sophie Will. We know what it's like to spend your day surrounded by people who don't look like we do, speak like we do, or think like we do. Here on Unity Thursday, we bring together women like us. We ask our guests to share with us their story and discuss books and podcasts that they've enjoyed. Join the community wherever you get your podcasts. Just a quick disclaimer, this isn't a get-rich-quick plan and we can't make you good at your job. Sorry, not sorry. Before we get into it, how's your week been, Sophie? It's been a nice week, thank you. The sun is shining and it's starting to get a bit warmer, so that makes a difference. Um, I've written off this week, to be honest, because I'm just looking forward to the fact that I'm going to Disney Paris this weekend. This is a big event in your calendar. It's a big event. I'm a... Disney princess I am and true Disney queen. I absolutely love anything Disney and have you always loved Disney yeah I've oh my family have been a Disney family from young is We've it always because you've got so many sisters I think so yeah maybe well, my dad doesn't have hair either <laughs> all Does of those he trips like Disney? he does my dad uh, well he comes along to them so I assume he likes them but what makes me laugh the most with my dad is that We've been very fortunate to go on Disney trips throughout our childhood and my dad would always have the park and map and to make sure it was well worth our money, he would almost put numbers against certain characters to meet and certain rides and you'd have to make sure you went on enough rides and meet enough characters to equate to how much it cost us to get there so he got his money's worth. This Ooh. man really had us, as children, running through the Disney parks after, um, like, the Green Army men in Toy Story because they were a rare character to me and they were worth so many more points. And in this kind of, self-constructed plan? Yes. So this sums up... I think he loves Disney, but if he didn't, he's had, he had the tactics behind making it worth every penny. Disney, isn't <laughs> So he was, he was basically checking up on you and your sisters, making sure that you got re- good return on his investment. Yeah, right. But basically, and obviously for our happiness. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> How was your week this week? So I listened to an interesting audio book, which I think you'd like, which was called "Let It Go" by Dame Stephanie Shirley. Oh, and what's that about? Well, Stephanie Shirley is an incredible character. Mm. So she set up a business when we weren't even, as as women, allowed to have bank accounts. And she created this freelance tech business where it was all run by women who were working from home. So she's, oh, wow. she's an incredibly impressive woman. And she goes by the name Steve because she wrote all these letters out and no one was responding to her in her actual name, Stephanie. So she rewrote them at the suggestion of her husband with the name Steve instead. And, and, and she, she got a response. I mean, that says and everything you need to know. I guess by the time know. they'd realised that she was actually a woman, they were already interested in the business. Yeah. So what a great idea. she built idea. a massive business. And then she went on to be an incredible philanthropist. She is absolutely inspiration okay so that's a recommendation for all of our definitely definitely read or give a listen to the audiobook it's called let it go my extraordinary story my god great woman we'll put a link in it was an amazing 
Today our guest is the incredible Sheila Hogan, founder and CEO of Digital Legacy Vault, Biscuit Tin. Sheila has a wealth of experience, including being a serial entrepreneur and three decades in technology facilitating digital transformation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Sheila. Thank you very much for inviting me. So Sheila, you've founded several businesses in your career, but could you describe to us what it's like founding Biscuit Tin and what your day-to-day life looks like now? Oh my goodness, yeah. Uh, well, I um, I just have to do, because we're, we're still in kind of early startup phase, basically, there are not many of us. And so, um, you know, most things that need to be done, as if it's not tech, lands with me. <laughs> um, so, it, um, yeah, it's a bit of a kind of like, all you know I'm all things right Mm. so from a day-to-day yeah all hands on deck you know from you know if I have to empty the bins in my own personal office to um to kind of like doing operational things um to doing the bookkeeping but then to also raising the investment and you know speaking to potential partners um and you know, operating from a sales perspective and speaking at events like this, of course, um, because every time you know the PR of um, you know of all of this and getting the word out is very important to us as well. So, so yeah, no one day is ever the same. <clears throat> it's a a whole kind of like you know. Sometimes I'm on massive highs because there's some really good news um, that's coming, and then the next day I might be on a deep low. So it's um it is a proper kind of like white knuckle roller coaster ride mm-hmm. um but um yes very very kind of like inspiring and it you know it feels like it's what I'm here to do so um you know it's just about getting on with it did you did you always want to be an entrepreneur or something how do you think that that sort of evolved for you personally I think I've always had um, what I call an entrepreneurial flair, right? So, you know, from a very early age, I was doing things. So, for example, I got a a sewing machine for my ninth birthday, taught myself how to sew and then started selling pencil cases. Those (laughs) You won't remember. Probably. You're probably too young, right? But um, there used to be all the rage was these furry pencil cases with with like eyes. Yeah, like eyes and a nose on the front. (laughs) Um, So I used to make them and then sell them to my pals at school. Um, and then I progressed into, you know, because I had this sewing machine and um, and things and, and I progressed into pencil skirts when they were the rage and they were quite easy, easy to do. And I got my own label um, from that. And this was kind of like early teens um, stage. Um, my maiden name was Fitzpatrick and I got this label, little label made called It Fits with a Z. Um, and kind of <laughs> like sewed, sewed it in all the skirts and things and sold them and and you, you name it I tried everything there was all I always wanted something else or was coming up with ideas and you know of ways to make money I suppose and and just be be driven I tried every single party plan um if mm-hmm. effect going right thinking this was the next thing from from Tupperware to heritage pans to Anne Summers you know you name it I did it right and but that you know I'd get fed up after a few weeks and and things but but yeah um so I, I think like that 
Were your parents no, an entrepreneur? Or no, so oh, I don't. Okay. I actually don't know where it's come from. I just think, you know, I was maybe just, you know, born with it, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, what the, I suppose what my parents, I mean, my mum and dad were like work working class. I mean, we come from, you know, Bradford. Um, so they didn't and they didn't never had much, but they, they actually just gave me everything. Right. I was an only child and I could have ended up a bit of a spoilt brat, I suppose. But um, they just, you know, they sacrificed their holidays to send me off with my pals and their parents and, you know, bought me everything that that I ever might want and sacrifice for themselves. So I I think what they did was they give me the innate confidence and they, you know, to do things and do you know just go for it I suppose that's I think that's what my parents well like nine to start doing that is is insane do you think you always had that confidence from such a young age or do you think you gained it throughout trying different things and certain things being successful I think I had a very very bullish confidence from that young age right um I think that that confidence has kind of like maybe eroded a little bit over the years right when you kind of like get in reality yeah I just think I I, you know because I was their world Mm. right um as that only child like we're just like I can do anything I want to do if you know what I mean it wasn't until I kind of got got a bit older when you know it didn't always turn out that way right there's Um, plenty more barriers when you're older yeah 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 but yeah um so it wasn't until then but yeah I think I've always had that flair right of wanting to and always looking um I don't know about you ladies and 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 people out there but never feeling like always feeling like there's something else Mm. there's something else what is it what is it what is it right all the time right feeling like you know I've just got to go after the next thing yeah it's like an itch that you can't scratch right you you think there's something but you can't put your finger on it and then you have to just try Mm. yeah what was your first job what did you what was your first thing that you did out of school or did you go to university no I didn't you see that that was the other thing I mean I, I left school I mean because again I wanted money I wanted to you know <laughs> I wanted to do things mm. right I wanted to kind of like go traveling and things like that and so I, I left school at 16 and uh, but I knew I even then back then I had this feeling um, that technology was a thing of the future a bit like yeah. Peter Kay's garlic bread, basically. So, you know, <laughs> but, but so I went to, I was looking for jobs in technology. I mean, they didn't teach tech, tech at school or anything like that back then. Um, but fortunately, Bradford Council were a bit kind of like forward thinking and they created a bit like an apprentice role um, called a junior computer programmer, junior computer officer it was at the time. Um and so I went and I got that I got that kind of apprenticeship in technology and um and that's my that was my first um first job really and they put me through um I think it was um I can't remember what they call it now but basically it's equivalent to A levels and you do it at day release at college um ONC that's it ONC it was at the time um and then went on to do um a kind of equivalent of a, a degree at Huddersfield um, Uni um, and did all that part-time whilst working for them. That's good. So did you have a clear vision of what you wanted to do following that or again was it just kind of do what you can to make some money and see? Enjoy life. See, yeah, enjoy life no. and travel and see the world. 
yeah that was it really yeah I didn't I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do what they did in this kind of role is you went around all the different departments and all the different areas that were involved in tech from kind of like the operational department where you put kind of like mag tapes on on the tape decks you filled up the printers full of paper and and things like that at the time and also you know the the kind of like data admin kind of area where you did all the controls and then the programming um, piece but it took me quite a while to get into that programming piece but but I think I knew that the programming piece was where I would be able to make the most money and I wanted to get into that and eventually mm. I did. Amazing so you started programming at Bradford Council, Council. Yeah. what were you what were you programming? Is that, that's probably a daft question. <laughs> um, what, what, so, were you, what were you involved with? So it was things like, you know, housing benefit systems, housing systems, um, education, you know, um, you know, the, all that kind of stuff is a long time ago now. I'm kind of like racking yeah. my brains now. What else? Yeah. Was <laughs> but yeah uh, electoral, electoral systems and, and, you know, things like that. Um, so, so, yeah, I got involved in um in those kind of coding things and um for anybody that's into tech it was COBOL kicks db2 was the language at the time so it's pretty <laughs> archaic now um but apparently you know if you've got those um things some of these um companies that have got these old legacy systems um are crying out and you can earn thousands a day for being one of them <laughs> but but no it's too long ago for me to um to, to be technical now but that's what I used that's what I used to do I mean you've got a wealth of experience just just looking on your LinkedIn says enough that you've been so many different places do you have obviously minus what you do now do you have a favorite job or favorite place you worked or any moment in time that kind of made you realize okay yeah th this is it I, this this is what I'm good at and this is definitely what I want to do and what I want to stick with do you have that at all in your career I suppose when when you first said that then um the best times of my career is where has been the people who I've, I've been working with right mm -hmm. um are also working for and where that kind of like that that those colleagues have gelled and had you know some real kind of camaraderie friendships you know actually enjoy socialize within socializing with each other and things like that as well I think that that for me if I look back as um has been like the, the best times mm -hmm. of of that career when I worked in that corporate you know mm -hmm. corporate world those have been the best points doesn't it yeah. oh yeah 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 it makes it work, work makes it enjoyable yeah um and you know and you want to you want to do things um you know and it's not such a not such a drudge so so yeah and and I think and and also the roles that I've played where it was it was very strategic um and and visionary you know out there those are the kind of things where you are really disrupting things and really transforming things that that really kind of like make me tick um mm. you know not not the kind of like you know the, the the kind of small incremental stuff but some real big kind of like strategic um stuff when I've been working on that kind of thing those are the things that that really motivate me anyway um, personally so those have been the best times 
when you when you were employed rather than um an entrepreneur did you have any and I think you sort of mentioned it just now do you have any leaders that you really respected or that you really enjoyed working for that and come if they come to mind like what was it about those leaders that you thought this is this is something I really respect yeah, uh, the, the, yeah, there's a couple in particular, and it's always the same kind of the, the same qualities. I think, I think um, one of them is their trust in me, mm-hmm. um, right? And and their and then which leads to autonomy for me, right? To do my job within my own, um, you know, what how can I describe it in my own way yeah um you know and and also that autonomy brings the kind of flexibility um i'm not i'm a bit of a born rebel to tell you the truth right um and the best kind we can tell you from your glasses (laughs) (laughs) dear listener sheila's wearing the best glasses i've ever seen (laughs) they are orange and pink and stripy yeah (laughs) i love them um so yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not very good with too much structure. I'm not very good with no structure at all either, right? But I, you know, it, there has to be the right balance between, you know, I hate this the the kind of time watching of like nine to five or mm. you know where you know in some of in some places where I've worked at during my career it's it's clock watching right you have to be at your desk at a certain time um you can't leave before a certain time and the people who get promoted and seem to be the best are the people that are at the desk the longest mm-hmm. right whereas you know that's not that's not me and and you know the the, the kind of it's, it feels a very kind of like old-fashioned approach and I'm sure there are places that are still like that um to a certain extent maybe pandemic kind of like killed a lot of that but um yeah, yeah. but no but no I you know those kind of places used to drive me insane so so really it's the leaders who who lead instead of manage and control I think um you know and and lead by inspiring you to be your best and you know and to do it in you know in your own way yeah yeah I think that's true I definitely think that that element of being given trust to do your job is so empowering isn't it and you would you would just expect that really if if you'd almost think why why are you wanted here then if they don't have the trust to you know delegate or just trust you to do your day-to-day that micromanagement it oh god it really can really drain you and as you say it's it's a big it is a big make or break point I think in in a company because no one wants to be micromanaged and yeah but it's that skill, then isn't it? to learn yeah. how to delegate and to, to but then that's where good leaders it. come yeah. in and yeah. like you say it makes the biggest difference in a company because you can absolutely dislike your job but stay purely off of the people who are here or vice versa if you don't get along with the people it's irrelevant if you love what you do yeah. and I, I generally do believe that that is a make or break so yeah. It's really nice that you've had some really nice leaders, actually. Um, yeah, some horrible really ones as well, by the way. Yeah, well, yeah. We all know that's a given. Yeah, don't don't accept it all, be yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we won't. We just won't mention them once. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, 
you started your first consultancy business and was it in 1997 yeah what opportunity arose how did that come about um so in, in terms of going back to so so I left Bradford Council and went to work for Bradford and Bingley Building Society which was great um and then we had we were gonna my, my husband and I were gonna emigrate to Australia at one point we got itchy feet um we'd lived in the same we were, we were childhood sweethearts right um I was a child bride I got married at 21 um but we we had itchy feet and we didn't we kind of thought you know we we, we don't want to you know we want to kind of spread our rings, wings a little bit and mm. normally you would do that by going to uni but neither of us have been to uni so we were kind of still in this little Yorkshire village and and mm. so we 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 decided we wanted to go and emigrate to Australia so we kind of went through all of that we sold the house we did everything um to do that went into rented um and things but the visa took two years to come through and by that time we're kind of like over it um and so we decided to have our um our daughter um obviously we didn't know that point but yeah we decided to to kind of start a family and um so she came along and but we still had itchy feet we still wanted to get out of the little yorkshire village and, and spread our wings so i started applying for um for jobs and got offered a a job at the Royal Bank um, in Edinburgh yeah. and I'd never been to Edinburgh before um, ever and um, but but as soon as I got off the train for that interview I fell in love with the place it's beautiful and it is a beautiful place mm. and it's got like it's got like a feel about it there's a real air of something magical about it um, and at, fortunately I got the job um, and we ended up relocating up to Scotland so not quite Australia but certainly um certainly spreading our wings um up to up to Scotland and I worked for RBS so I came up to run there by that time I was in kind of like management and um and moved over to the business side from the technical side of transformation uh and I came up to Edinburgh to run the business analysis team um in RBS and um, so I had a whole lot of kind of contractors or consultants working within my business analysis team, mm. earning three times as much money as me and not having to deal with all the politics um, <laughs> of trying to climb the ladder um, within a large corporate organisation. And I kind of like thought, oh, I think I could fancy a bit of this. Um but at the time, that was the first, my first foot into running my own business, right, and moving away from um, a, a kind of a stable salary yeah. every month and taking the risk of moving to, you know, not, you know, not being quite sure whether um, you're going to get paid or not. Now, you know, the contracting roles and the consultancy roles that you get are normally for X months. So they're normally kind of like, but but what kind of like, yeah. you know, at first when you move from that environment, um, from that, you know, knowing that you're always going to get paid every month a certain amount um, to that kind of like, well, I might not have this in three months time or I might not have this in six months time and where's my next role going to come mm. from um, kind of thing. A bit of a transition, yeah, and and mm. you know, in terms of mindset, yeah, it must have been but quite certainly. daunting as well, especially because you now have a young family. Yeah, yeah. What made you make the jump to to just 
then yeah I'm because gonna do I this. saw I saw a number and actually it was it was somebody who worked in my team who who was um you know a, a consultant um earning that kind of like three times as much as me dear it um and she said I'll help you do it right she said I'll help you do it I'll help you I'll help you set up the limited company um you don't have to leave this job until you've got a contract secured but let's put all the ducks in a row and and I'll kind of like you know handhold you through it so um so that she kind of like inspired me to do it um and and also I suppose the the actual the the backlash of all the politics that were going on, me being, mm. you know, in a in a management position in, you know, and having to to deal with um everything that comes with that in that corporate organization. So um because she didn't have any of this responsibility. She just came in and did the good stuff is what I, I saw at the time, but got paid three times as much. And I'm like, oh, yeah, what I am I doing is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah, I'm going for this. So anyway, I did. And um, and unfortunately, I, you know, I didn't look back. Um, you know, I mean, there were some hairy times, you know, throughout the years, um, you know, around, you know, the the kind of like, year 2000 you know around that kind of end there was a lot of kind of flux on the market and things um then the kind of financial crash and um you know those kind of times and it was tough right because I had to you know I I couldn't guarantee where my work was going to be and I had to go where the work was so Mm -hmm. having a, a young daughter and having to work away from the home from home um you know most of the week sometimes um was pretty tough right you know I can't can't deny that Um, yeah yeah um but you know it were a kind of a needs must situation so yeah but I I ended up you know that with her now now that she's older does she remember that um I think do you know what no I haven't and I need to don't I I do I do need to um, she doesn't actually, she doesn't say anything about it. Um, and I did try and be there for a lot of the things. But I do remember a time when she was first starting school. And I had to go, that was my first time away. Um, and I just had to go and work um, down in Chester. And uh, yeah, that was awful. Because she mm. was going through transition she was starting yeah. primary one, she was starting primary school and her mum wasn't here, right, to support her through that. And and it was horrific time because they used to, um, my husband and I used to take me to the airport on a on a Monday morning. We all used to sit there and cry. And and, oh. and, I, and then I'd come back on a Friday um, and then she used to play up and be really badly behaved because she was punishing me for not being there mm. all but week. But you were her comfort zone as well. So she knew that she could she could clap to mum because you're going to love her either way. I know, I know. So, so yeah, that, were, that was a pretty tough time for all of yeah. us, I think. Mm. But, you know, we got through it and as you do. Yeah, and sometimes, sometimes you do have to take those small sacrifices. And actually, fast forward a few years now yeah. to... 
where you are now you've had such a successful career and obviously you've, you've got your own business now and your own company so she must be so proud of you so any feelings that she does have from that I can imagine are all just yeah. from pure proudness well, of her mum. I'd be curious because I wonder if she thinks that it made her more resilient I, I just think that those things are kind of, they're interesting to reflect on aren't they mm. when you, when you they are, are they are and, yeah. and it's kind of like I feel a bit I feel a bit kind of bad that I haven't asked her about that actually because she does she works for us now she works for Biscuit Tin does she well, yeah. we have to get her on next time yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we yeah, can ask just... her the question the mother and daughter episode <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah she's just finished uh she just finished in January a um so she started off last year doing all our kind of operational stuff and our bookkeeping and you know customer service and things like that and then she did um she did a programming course um for, She's yeah, following for her mum's footsteps. 18 weeks um for 18 weeks yeah in Edinburgh and um and she quality she finished that in at the end of January and then she's become our junior um software developer and oh, um, so she's been trained up by our our VP of engineering um now um so yeah yeah she's thoroughly enjoying it Oh, wow, that sounds amazing. Well, it's going to be like a little family-run company. Well, I, we don't really want it to be like, do you, do you know what no. I mean? But I just thought, right, you know, um, she didn't know what she wanted to do. Mm. I knew she'd enjoy that kind of work, right, in terms of programming. And effectively, it's a cheap resource for us, right, to, <laughs> to actually get her in. And, and, and who, who more, who could be more motivated to to make this a success um, yeah 100% and she also wants to do you proud just as you have throughout her whole life I'm sure now she's there returning the favor for her mum for her business that's that's so lovely that's that's like my my motivation now to have that in my future I mean she's only two at the moment so I'll give her some time but (laughs) we'll get there eventually (laughs) um so let's talk about biscuit tin then how, like, do you want to give us just some background on it and how it came about and how how you are here now yeah I, sorry I think that was the last question wasn't it and I digressed on to something else but um so so basically I lost my mum my mum was only um she was only 64 so it's only a few years older than what I am now um and um which was traumatic, of course, Ooh, like, um, you know, in terms of the, the kind of grief and things. But the the sadmin, as, as they call it, or the kind of like, you know, all the admin that you have to do um, when someone dies wasn't quite as bad because my dad was still around. Um, and as I've said, I was an only child. So the responsibility of all of that, you know, came to me. Um, but with dad his death talking about death was just really taboo right he didn't want to talk about it not to me anyway um and so then when he died it it was really traumatic right because I just didn't know what he wanted at all I mean I'd made sure he had a will of course um but you know things like you know when I'm talking about this I'm saying it took me I tortured myself for three days looking through his wardrobe thinking what does he want to wear for his last journey in his coffin right and does he want to look smart in his suit um, or does he want to be comfy in his cardi and 
it just really mattered right at that point in time it really mattered to me that I did exactly what he wanted but because I didn't know it it just made it made it really difficult made it really difficult and I could hear him saying to me right in his his broad Yorkshire accent I don't give a bugger love put me in out right (laughs) you know he was saying to this but it just so mattered right yeah um so I went halfway in the house and you know put him in a sports jacket and a shirt um and not his actual suit but um but yeah I mean and even afterwards when you make these decisions you're kind of thinking did I do the right thing should I have done this mm. should I have done that and it just because it's you know the the feeling the the emotional state that you're in at that point in your life as well right just compounds everything right all that decision making and that was only one right there were loads and loads and loads of things and then I had to become he it had they had a, a biscuit tin this is the thing they had a biscuit tin full of their insurance policies and old papers and a few photographs and things like that right and that's what I had to effectively close and tie up all the loose threads of his life right and and kind of like close everything down and it took me two years to actually things kept coming out of the woodwork yeah and, and seriously, the amount of effort and the amount of admin and the phone calls and, you know, the number of copies of death certificates you've got to send off to every man and his dog that, that you know, that they've ever had a relationship with. It's horrendous. Right. Anyway, so about two years after that two years, right, I took a step back and thought, oh, my goodness, if I died today, I would be leaving such a mess. My dad's life was really simple compared to mine. I had pension pots all over the place. I didn't even know that where they were. Never mind, you know, my family know. I had two businesses that they were involved in. I had all this digital stuff my dad never had, right? Um, and I just thought they wouldn't, <coughs> they wouldn't be able to do it. They mm. would take him years to close down my life if if I didn't sort this out. And and so that's when the the kind of like the two worlds of my kind of like transform digital transformation. And personal experience collided. Those two worlds collided. And I just thought, oh, my God, this is broken. This this needs to change. We need to do this differently. Um, and so that's when the idea of Biscuit Tin as a digital le- legacy kind of platform um, was born. Um, yeah. Oh, amazing. And because you have that emotional connection, do you find that it makes you more passionate and really rooting for it to succeed more because of obviously how it stemmed. I suppose, yeah, it makes me more. Um, yeah, I am very passionate about it, right? I am, and it and it's not just a mum and dad are a big part of that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so uh, you know, Dragon's Den. I think the most, in, you know, the proudest bit that I was in Dragon's Den was when I knew that the cameras were panning in to mum and dad's picture. And I kind of like in that moment, in that den, I was like, oh, I've got my mum and dad on the telly. I nearly did break down at that point. I had to take a, a deep breath at that point. But that is how I felt. I thought, oh, my God, I've got my mum and dad on the telly. And I could feel how proud they would be. Do, do you yeah. know what I mean? So those Definitely. things, yes, yes, they do. That 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 really does drive me forward. It makes me more resilient, um, I think. And and you know, when things, you know, don't go to plan, and I kind of like think, oh, God, what am I doing this for? Sometimes, you know, um, 
because things do get tough right um but then I think nah this is what I'm meant to be doing right you know after you know when when I kind of looked back you know even through throughout the kind of like you know a successful career right doing my own consultancy and things and a, a number of other businesses I was always thinking what is it I'm meant to be doing right what is it what is my kind of what is the right path for me what's my destiny what you know and from from the point that I've kind of like thought of Biscuitton it feels like this is it right Mm. so that's the other reason I can't give up on this and I can't go to my deathbed without giving this all I've got so you touched then a little bit on Dragon's Den so how did that come about? Did they approach you? I, I don't I don't know how that that whole process works. Yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, so I, I think the year before we'd I'd had a, a PR agent who'd done and I said, I think we should apply for Dragon's Den. The applications are open now. And I think the year before we'd applied. But I think that was just and I never heard anything. But I think that was just coincidental. I don't think they go through the past applications or anything. I think it just depends on the the kind of the, the production team and the researchers that are going out there kind mm-hmm. of like listening to and, and what had what had happened. Um, I won an award um in scotland there's a, a thing called accelerate her which is brilliant at those early stages um of your startup life and i'd won the award for fin the, the fintech and cybersecurity. uh and i think they'd heard my they'd heard my pitch um from that um and the researcher had heard and he approached me to say um would you be interested in applying and the the actual process of that, so that was in February 21. Um, mm. And the whole process to the point where that program aired in February 22 was exactly a year. Um, so, you know, from start to finish, from them it's approaching. A long time in the, it's a long time in the life of a startup, isn't it? A year. A lot changes in that time. It does. It does. Definitely. Um, but yeah, and there's lots and lots of different stage gates and you're never sure whether you're going to get through to the next stage. And the due diligence is 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 really quite tough. You know, everything, mm-hmm. every kind of word you say has to be backed up with evidence and mm. um, and things. So. So, yeah, it's a it's it's a character building. Right. Uh, I can imagine. Journey, let's say. But, but you... yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> well, I was going to just ask, but. Your brand must have got such a lot of exposure from that. Did you see on the day that it aired, did you see like a massive spike on your um, like Google Analytics or what, what was that kind of impact of that? Yeah, we had over 100,000 hits in the first week after that. Um, wow. Episode, That's yeah. insane. Just, just from that one one episode. Just from 12 minutes on BBC primetime telly but I mean that would that would have a 12 minute advert on BBC primetime telly would cost millions not that you can have it anyway but um yeah (laughs) um you know um it would cost it would have cost millions right so yeah I mean and that was the you know I didn't get investment out of the dragons I actually didn't want it right because we were we were doing our own um our what I call the real investment round in Mm -hmm. parallel you know before um, it was after filming, so I filmed for that in July 21. Um, 
and then you can't say anything you're kind of like sworn to secrecy um otherwise they'd just pull it um but you're not even sure you're going to get in the series right they don't they don't know until they've done oh, right. all of the things what's going to fit together the best so it's not until they've done the production, right, that you really get confirmed. So I got confirmed two weeks before it was going to air. Oh, um, really? That was definitely in, yeah. I mean, it's all, everything is last minute. So, for example, the I went through all these different stage gates, first of all, from application to then doing a video to then, you know, going to exec team to then, um, you know, three weeks before the filming date, they called me to say, you through to filming. So I had three weeks to actually prepare for that that filming date um and so that we as you can imagine that three weeks was really intense oh god I yeah. bet. and and I was just like oh this is like the performance of a lifetime I have got to put on a performance <laughs> of a lifetime right so I've got to do everything I possibly can um to make this you know a success um, so I, I I had acting lessons in that three Did weeks. I had, yeah, it that was incredible. Was I would recommend <laughs> seriously, right? Anybody who has to do any presenting at all, whether you know, um, I would definitely recommend oh, yeah. um, acting lessons. She she I mean Elaine Newton, the lady, she runs a, a thing called the Acting Lab, and uh, and I did it online. And she I just learned so much seriously mm. from oh, that. Oh my god. <laughs> such a such a small time as well like you only had three weeks and did, did you find that that really did change your approach and change your attitude to going into filming it oh no doubt no there's no doubt whatsoever right it did and and if we've got time I can just share with you some of the key things right from this right one of them was she said to me um when we first started in the first session right how do you physically feel when um you are nervous and anxious about something and and kind of like thought about it and thought mm, yeah I, I my tummy gets all jittery and jumpy and you know and things so she's right hold that thought right and how do you feel when you're really excited about something and I'm like oh my god it's the same physical feeling right it, god, she says never well put that together before yeah no I hadn't either right I hadn't and she said and you are going to get that physical feeling when you're all the time that you're in the den you are going to have that physical feeling but what you have to do in terms of your mindset is you have to say to yourself I'm really excited I am just really excited Mm. and that is what I did right um and they kept asking me because they're really quite up on kind of like, you know, reality TV and making sure that mentally you're OK and, and things like that. And they kept saying to me, how are you feeling? And I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm really, really excited. I bet they thought I, I, was, I, I, bet they thought I was a bit of a crazed woman. Right? <laughs> because, you know, a bit like Will Ferrell on Bloody Hell. Right. You know, I, you know. Santa, I know him. I'm so excited, right? And and that's that what, it, and you know it, that that's what it's like. And you know what that got me through. And there was some other stuff that that she kind of said. She also said, um, you know, what are you scared of when you're speaking? And so I said, well, sometimes my voice goes all croaky, and um, and so she says, well, that is adrenaline, right? She said, and it's adrenaline rushing to the part that is under pressure 
right? And obviously that's your voice. So what you have to do is divert the adrenaline to a different place in your body. So as you walk into the den, right, she says, I want you to clench your bum cheeks. And what that will do is it will dissipate the 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 actual adrenaline from your throat into your bottom. You don't have to do it for the whole time you're there, <laughs> but just as you just as you go in and as you take your stance, just do that, clench your bum cheeks, and then you'll be sorted. And it and worked. So it works. Yeah. Oh, that is crazy. Is great, great hacks. Yeah. I Fantastic. I feel like I'd really be thinking about that though. Like, right, make sure you clench, make sure you clench. But actually, like you say, you just do it straight away. It's done. Yeah. And then you you're not nervous about the adrenaline dissipated. Then you're you kind of like you know away with it. You're oh, yeah. it. Oh my god! And you you came across incredible on that. I show. thought you were so, so positive. Yeah. yeah. I liked that a lot. It, yeah, I did great. get quite mad with Stephen Bartlett when I was watching it because I just thought oh, he well, really well, judged you. And I thought based story. on what? Well, maybe it could have all been in the edit. I don't know. But I did feel very no, angry about worse. it. I mean, I were in the den for 45 minutes, right? And they got 12 minutes out of the, the whole thing. Um, but he was even worse in, in really? reality right? yeah than what he came across on the program it came across bad enough but um but no he would never I mean the bottom line is right I mean I got I mean all these women's founders groups and women's business clubs and and things like that and there was uproar basically mm. after that and they, they were all kind of saying he would never have done that if that had been a man a man with 40 years experience in in technology right he would never have said to them, you should not be running a technology business, yeah. right? He just wouldn't, right? No. And, and you know, and I'm not that I wanted to play. I would kind of, I kind of closed it down because I thought, I don't want to play a victim here in, in terms mm, of any yeah. of this, right? Um, because the production team gave me the last word, um, you know, and, and allowed me to kind of like, you know, respond and then draw a line under it kind of thing on, on oh, the great. edit. That's good. Yeah. Well, it did come across really positively the way that you took control of it. Yeah, you handled it really well. Yeah. So we yeah, we so. were uh, not massive fans of him. From we were part of that uproar. But <laughs> shall, yeah. shall we talk about the um, crowdfunding? So you've been crowdfunding since then, right? Well, not since then. So I actually, so the first round of money that I got was, which was great because we actually closed the deal the same week that Dragons Den aired. So we had a good news story kind of like going out from a PR perspective. Oh, right. Anyway, yeah. right? Um, so yeah, and that was our first round of money uh, that we got. We got an angel investor and um, we got Velocity Capital, um, they're a London-based uh, VC. Um, from their um, SEIS fund and we also got um, the Scottish Venture Fund which is um, a Scottish enterprise fund so yeah we got that which has kind of like helped us um, helped us move to the next level in terms of bringing the tech in-house bringing in the tech team and internal tech team because we were working with an agency before um, so so yeah we've kind of like and we've got five early adopter partnerships on, you know, on the back of that. And then this year, um, or kind of like since since maybe last year, really, we always knew we'd need to raise more money uh, to get us to the next level. And that's what we've been doing. And we added a crowdfund element to that. But yeah, a lot of the money's come from angel investors. Mm. Um, and we've not closed that yet. We still need 
Um, we still need more angel investors um, to come in um, to get us to the level we need to take that to the business to the next level. And our aim is that by quarter one next year, we're actually going for a big scale up raise at that point and a series A at that point, um, that point Fantastic. in time. Oh, well, we wish you luck. That sounds incredible. You clearly know, clearly know well when you're proving Stephen wrong. Yeah. And that's, that's the biggest thing. <laughs> so that's what the producer said to me. He said, you need to be one of those um, yeah. that gets away. And and you, you are. And you're li- literally living you're proof. Free. So there we go, uh, Stephen. Not quite there yet. We've not got quite there yet, there. but I'm hoping <laughs> to. We've got two audience questions for you if you've got time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Okay. So first question was, What's your favourite motivational song to get you hyped up? Ain't No Stopping Us Now. McFadden and Whitehead. Yeah. The theme of this introduction. Well, is... We probably can't afford that. <laughs> oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to sing it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll hum it and you'll know. <laughs> um, and then last question. How did you decide you were ready to take the leap in creating your own business? I think it was kind of like negative forces to be honest with you that the the situation I didn't want to be in the situation I was in anymore mm-hmm. right I just didn't want to I didn't want to be there anymore and I think that's that has been that there's a bit of kind of like you know wanting the next thing but it's kind of like it's too tough to stay where I am mm-hmm. anymore it was the same you know so when I first did set up my consultancy it was too tough dealing with all that politics and getting a third pay of the rest of the, you know, half the team when I could have been doing kind of like, you know, the job for three times as much money without all the responsibility. So it was too tough to remain in that situation. And and that kind of, you know, pushed me over the edge to do that. Um, and I think that I couldn't, when I came up with the idea of Biscuit Tin, I was like, I couldn't have just sat on that and not mm. done anything with it because I've got this this kind of thing that right I don't want the other the other kind of songs that motivate me and stuff like that are you know I was here Beyonce I love that song right um no regrets I you know when I leave this earth there is no regrets and you know I want people to know I was here I made a difference you know those kind of things and I I don't ever I don't want to lay on my deathbed and think I wished I'd done that right mm. I would rather have done something and it didn't work and I tried it well at least I tried it right exactly okay, it didn't work than think oh if only I'd done that right yeah so that's the way that's kind of like a bit of a mantra um you know for 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 my life you know the tough situations but also you know I don't want to regret not done this not yeah, having done yeah. this never never have a what if moment yeah 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 yeah, oh, thank amazing. you so much. This is amazing. It was lovely speaking to you. Oh, and you. I'm delighted. Delighted to speak to you, ladies. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I, de- I feel like I learned a lot. Yeah. Also, I've got a biscuit tin now. Um, oh, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as of this morning, but I have nothing to put in it as yet. So, this is my new goal is I need to. Need to sort out my oh, biscuit please too. Do. And you'll see some new things coming up as well. We're just doing some some new um, developments. Um, we're working with a lovely lady who um, called Paula Fowler, um, who's got um, terminal bowel cancer, and she's helping us um, do 
what we call precious thoughts and memories. So what we want for Biscuit Tin is that, you know, throughout our lives, we are throwing things in your biscuit tin mm, yeah. that are your precious thoughts and memories, right? But also then there's this situation where you might want to just say to someone, right, um, you know, I want you to know that at this moment in time, I was so proud of you, right, yeah. because whatever and just do a little video or a little audio or a few words right in this thing because that 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 was one example that because we're also working with Johnny Irwin you know the place in the sun presenter that's mm, yeah uh, he's only young and he's he's, he's got terminal so um, sad, cancer it? yeah it is very sad but yeah we're working with him um and he said you know I just wanna I wanna put little videos you know together for you know for because he's only got young kids right only yeah. two and two and three between them and um and and so he said and he said that he said you know i, I just want to do a little video that says rex i was so proud of you right Aww. because you give your cake to that little that that other little girl at that party who was upset about something you give your cake to her i was so proud of you at that moment you, mm. do you know what i mean and yeah because like yeah. oh, yeah. at the end of the day when when it is your time it's it, you're at peace you're, it's, it's, a, it's the people you're leaving behind and those little things mm. oh my god is the closure that i think people need and at the moment we don't we don't have anything for that we so do oh my in- god because that's the other thing. I mean, what we're trying to make biscuit tin is holistic, right? Mm. So it's not just the practical stuff, i.e. we know we know what all your account information is for all your bank accounts. We know that you've got a LinkedIn account. We know you've got, uh, you know, Facebook and, you know, not and, and your utilities and we've got all your numbers and, you know, it's not just all of that stuff, which you need, by the way, right? Yeah. Which is a bloody nightmare trying to sort all that out, but also the personal side of it. So we allow, we allow everyone to create a digital legacy that will live on through the generations mm-hmm. right about our lives and uh, and things and so we've got the first um the first kind of like one of this coming in about a month's time um where we've got um all that kind of stuff coming in and we're working with Paula and um and a digital inheritance um specialist as as well um oh, wow. is working with us um Deborah and oh my god uh, you've got so many amazing plans for it yeah. and honestly I wish you so much success with it because it's so deserved it's such a lovely idea yeah we'll be watching and cheering you on oh thank you so <laughs> much ladies it's been a pleasure Thanks, Sheila, for appearing on Unity Thursday. Don't forget to check out Biscuit Tin and follow their social media. We want to get to know you all, so please do send us in your questions or drop us a line to introduce yourself. You can reach us at unitythursday at gmail.com. We will never reveal your identity, so tell us all of your secrets. Don't forget to follow us on social media and please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or visit our website at unitythursday.com. See you next time.